Good morning, good morning. It's great to see everybody. I'd like to welcome everyone to Gateway Baptist Church. For those watching us in the gym, good morning to you. And those watching us online, we're so happy you're with us this morning in worship. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, last reminder for this Friday night is Secret Church. We will have the simulcast here in the uh, sanctuary. It begins at 6 p.m. It ends around midnight. Woohoo! Um, we have about 18 books left, about 18 spots left open. Uh, would love for you guys to participate. Uh, there's no cost for Gateway members or attendees. Uh, we provide the book. We'll have snacks in the back, coffee, and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, as I talked about last week, it's called The Great Imbalance. So I uh, just love to encourage you guys to, if you want to continue to, uh, you can register online and be a part of that. We'd love to have you here. Uh, and secondly, next weekend, again on Sunday, we're going to have another Discover Gateway lunch in class. Oh, you left. At Grady's house. I normally point right there. Um, the man who normally sits right there at his house. Um, and what it is is just a simple way of getting to know who we are, Gateway, as in their, our DNA, our governance, our vision, our founding, all those things. Just getting to know what we're all about, in a sense, discovering about us. Uh, it does not lock you into membership. It's just the first step. You get to enjoy a wonderful lunch and good fellowship. And so that's next Sunday, April 25th. Um, immediately after service. And so please see Grady, myself, or you can contact the office to register if you want to participate in that. And next, I'm looking, oh, there he is. Okay, y'all get ready. Molly Moore is about to come up. Come on, Molly Moore. She's got a great announcement. Okay, I just have to start off by saying a huge answer to prayer. Mr. Lenny Dixon is with us this morning. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're just so thankful for God's healing. It's amazing. Okay, guys, so last year before this crazy COVID year began, we had already purchased our VBS curriculum, ready to go, starting our plans, and then everything got canceled. So I've had a box of curriculum sitting in the preschool office trying to figure out what to do. And by office, I mean closet. Um, <laughs> However, so we've been just going back and forth about it. Grady and I, CJ and I, the staff, we've all been praying and discussing and trying to figure out the best way to keep our family safe, but we just wanted to do something. Well, the Holy Spirit has assisted us in giving us a, a, what we think is a great idea. So what we're going to do this year, something entirely different, we are using the VBS concrete and cranes theme, and we're going to do this five Sundays in a row. We're going to start July 11th through August 8th. And so those Sunday, your kids will all, first through fourth, will all be, or fourth through fifth, sorry, will all be doing a worship rally, the whole two hours of church. They won't have their normal Bible study or worship time. They will fully be doing VBS. And we're going to do it all, the worship rally, the music, the crafts, the snacks, and we're going to have an awesome time. So we're real excited about the plan and if anybody wants to volunteer and help us, we'll need plenty of floaters and some different people to assist. You can do it one Sunday. You can do it all five. But we're, gonna, um, we're getting ready to do that. We're real excited. CJ's on board and leading the worship rally, and we're just going to have an awesome time, and we're real excited for this. So let me know if you want to help us out in any way. Oh, more will be on the blog this week. So if you want to know details, it'll be there. Just so the kids know, I will not be singing or leading worship. Nordia, just wanted to clarify that. I will be like this and hitting the DVD button and all that fun stuff. But no, I love VBS. I've been doing it for years. It's so much fun. 
Can't wait to be able to do that. And I'm so glad the Holy Spirit led the way for us to prepare to enjoy those kids. If you ask you to please stand, we prepare to worship the Lord through song. I'm going to read for us a few verses from Psalms chapter 19 as we prepare our hearts. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Glory to God forever. We sing glory to God. 
Father God, thank you so much for this day, this time that we can gather with one another. Lord, 
you are so great. We pray that we would be reminded of that, uh, not only today, but throughout the rest of the week, Lord. And that as we go through the week, that we would be proclaiming that greatness to the world around us. That we would share in your mission here to reach a lost and dying world. And that you would receive all the glory and the praise through that. Lord, we thank you for the college students here at Gateway. We pray that they would continue to grow in their walk with you and that they would be salt and light on their campuses, Lord. That they would share the gospel boldly and that many through the ministry on each of the campuses would come to know you. Lord, we thank you that we're able to partner with ministries here in the local area, Lord. We thank you for the Montgomery Baptist Association and their Love Loud Montgomery ministry as they minister to those daily here in the Montgomery area in need by providing food and clothing and most of all, Lord, providing the gospel. Lord, we thank you for that ministry. We pray that it would continue to grow make an impact for your kingdom here in the Montgomery area. Lord, we pray for our local churches here in Montgomery. Specifically, we pray for Pastor Chris Montgomery over at Fraser United Methodist Church. We pray uh, that you would use their ministry here uh, to minister to, continue to minister to so many in the Montgomery area to the rest of the world. Lord, we pray and praise you for global missions and global missionaries. We pray for the missionaries in Sadapur in Calcutta, India. We pray uh, for the families that have moved there to start a church fellowship, that they would be encouraged and strengthened. And Lord, we pray that you would soften the hearts of the people in that hard soil so that the gospel can be received and that those in that area can come to faith in you. Lord, we thank you that you allow us to be a part of your ministry here at Gateway. Lord, we pray that you would use the offering that has been given today uh, online and in the boxes that you would allow us to be good stewards of it to advance your kingdom here and Lord we uh, as we transition into a time of hearing from you uh, through Grady's words we pray that uh, you would give us your words and not Grady's words that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say Lord we praise you and thank you for your greatness Well, good morning, Gateway family. Oh, doesn't sound like you're awake yet on a beautiful day. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Good to see you guys on this beautiful day that the Lord has given to us. I'm so grateful we get to gather together. Oh, yeah, kids' worship is dismissed. We keep forgetting to dismiss the kids. So thanks, CJ. So kids, first to fourth grade, I want to go with Mr. CJ. He's teaching kids' worship. You're welcome to run out with him. 
right now. Why don't you find Psalm 33 in your copy of God's Word, Psalm number 33 this morning. We are continuing our study of rooted, being grounded in the Word, as we're looking at foundational truths of what we believe. Now, so far, friends, we've asked some really big questions about the nature of God. We think back to the last few weeks, we asked, what is God? And we saw that God is the creator and the sustainer of everyone and everything. And we try to summarize God's attributes by saying he's both great and good. We then asked the question, how many persons are there in God? And we saw that there's three persons in the one true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three are involved in our lives. We then asked right before Easter, how did God create us? We saw that God created us in his own image, that we are made to reflect the character and nature of God in this world. But then we also asked last week, why did God create us? Was it that question that God created us to glorify him, that should give us humility, that should give us purpose, and that should give us hope? And so over the two weeks surrounding Easter, we looked at this idea of God creating by design. And we have one more week thinking about the relationship of God and creation. And that leads us to our question for today to consider. And that's question five from the New City Catechism. It's the question, what else did God create? If God made us in his image and he made us to glorify him, what else did God make? Now, to answer that question, our minds typically go back to Genesis 1. And we are going to look at Genesis 1, but that's not going to be the focus of our text this morning. I want us to focus on Psalm 33 this morning. Psalm 33 is a hymn of praise. It was a a hymn that was sung by the Jewish people, by the people of Israel together. It was a hymn that was sung congregationally, just like what we've done for the last several minutes. This is what the people of Israel did. They sung this as a praise to God. Now, as we start reading Psalm 33, it may sound familiar to you if you've been around Gateway a little while, because two years ago, when we were journeying through the Psalms, CJ preached on this particular Psalm. We were looking at what it means to praise God, and he helps us develop a whole theology of worship of God from Psalm 33. So some of it may sound familiar, but we're going to focus in on just four of the verses of it this morning, verses 6 through 9, which deal with God's role as creator. CJ has shown us back then that we're to praise God for many reasons, one of which was his role as creator. And we were going to go deeper on the idea of God's role as creator this morning. So we come to Psalm number 33. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9 this morning. As we read, I want you to look for what did God create and how did he do it? There's a lot of beautiful images in this text. What did God create and how did he do it? So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. Psalm number 33, verses 6 through through nine. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. We'll have the words on the screen for you as well. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, but all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your unchanging word. And God, we're thankful that you've shown us who you are and you've shown us how you made us and how you made the world. Lord, I pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters who are gathered here this morning and who are worshiping with us at home online. That God, that you would stir our hearts to see your greatness this morning. We think about you as the creator, Lord. This wouldn't just be some interesting truth for us, but God, I pray this would very much stir our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would stir our hearts to better understand who you are and how awesome you are this day as we've just sung. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So what else did God create? Here's our answer for the morning. God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. So again, our main idea for the morning, God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. Good. Now, friends, this is an important truth for us to understand today. God's role as a creator, that God created all things, 
And he did it by his powerful word. And that all of his creation as a result was very, very good. Now, to help us understand this truth this morning, I want to ask five questions today to unpack this. There's so much we could deal with with God and creation and what the nature of creation is like and how he did it. So I want to try to organize our thoughts this morning into five questions to make sense of all this. As we put each of the answers together, I believe you'll see this idea that God created all things by his powerful word and all his creation was very good. So our first question for the morning is this, who is the creator? Question one, who is the creator? And we kind of answered this several weeks back in our study when we asked the question, what is God? And we said back then that God is the creator. But think back to what we saw four weeks ago, friends. There's one God, but he exists as three persons, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So really our question for this morning is, which person of God created all things? Have you ever stopped to ponder that one? Laying down late at night going, which person of the Godhead created all things? There's one God, three persons. They're equal in essence, but distinct in roles. And we got a glimpse of that when we saw the Trinity some weeks ago. There's one God, but all three persons of the one true God are involved in our salvation. Remember, the Father wills our salvation. Christ purchases our salvation. And the Holy Spirit applies it. All three are involved, but in unique ways. So when it comes to creation, which person of the one true God created all things? Let's go back to our text for the morning. Psalm number 33, verse 6. Notice what it says at the very beginning. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So what we have here is we're told that the Lord created all things. And if your copy of God's word is like mine, Lord's going to be in all caps, because this is the word for Yahweh. This is the revealed name of God. This is the covenant name of God that is being used here. So when you hear that, the Lord, Yahweh, created all things, it's right for our minds to start thinking about the role of the Father in creating all things. Because when you look at all of creation, the Father willed it. So yes, the Father God was the one who willed all of creation. As you look at this verse, don't miss two other significant words here for us. In verse 6, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. Notice the word word and the word breath. Now, to the original audience, the Jewish people, when they heard this, this would have simply been synonymous for the speech of God. That's how they would have understood it. But friends, with the further revelation we have in the New Testament, we get a better understanding, a better picture of what's being told to us right here. And this is a beautiful imagery of who created all things for us. Because one author I read this week said it so interestingly, and it made me stop and think. He said, word and breath get capitalized in the New Testament. Think about that. Word and breath get capitalized in the New Testament. This is giving us a picture here of the triune God being involved in creation. Now think about this, the, the word of the Lord. Now, word becomes a title given to Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, in John chapter 1, I want you to see it up on the screen. In John chapter 1, verse 1, we get a picture of this. In the beginning was who? The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're talking about Jesus here. Now in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Now notice verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is now called the Word, the Word, the Logos, the one who spoke creation into existence. So you already have now the Father willing creation. Now you have Christ, the Son, speaking creation into existence. But go back to Psalm 33 here, verse 6 here. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. Now this gets interesting for us because in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, the word for breath is a Hebrew word called ruach. It's the exact same word that gets translated in other places in the Old Testament as spirit. Because in the Old Testament, spirit and breath were one and the same word. So if you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, in the, me, in the creation account, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Ruach, the breath of God, 
was hovering over the face of the waters. And in verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was a light. And so when you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you have here the same word from Psalm 33, but now being applied to the Holy Spirit. As we get the further revelation of the New Testament, we understand that the Spirit here, the breath here, is the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. He, the Holy Spirit, who's very active in creating the world. So think about this of what we're seeing in Psalm 33, where the word of the Lord, the heavens are being made, and the breath of his mouth, their host. We have this incredible picture, friends, of the whole Trinity one God, three persons, all working in unison to create the world. With the Father willing creation, with the Son speaking it into being, with the Holy Spirit working alongside, accomplishing what Christ has proclaimed here. So if you're having trouble going to sleep tonight, you can ponder that. The whole triune God, all three persons working in unison to create the world, but in unique ways. So let's bring that back to our answer. Who created the world? God created the world. And all three persons of the Trinity were involved. So second question for the morning as we try to understand God and creation. What did God create? So question two for the morning. What did God create? Now go back to verse six here for us in Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So notice this word heavens at the outset of this text here. This is a word that's used to describe the universe, to describe what you see. If you go out on a dark night and look up in the sky, the heavens are what you see. But friends, realize that what we see of the heavens is just a tiny dot of what is actually there. I got curious this week as I was thinking about God making the heavens, so I decided to look up um, a few things about it. Did you know that in our galaxy alone, just our galaxy, there's 100 billion stars that have been found? Okay, not, not the whole universe, just our little galaxy, 100 billion stars. That's one with 11 zeros after it, stars in our galaxies. And those stars have planets circling them, and those planets have moons circling them. There's the vastness of what God spoke into being when the Lord spoke the heavens into existence. But friends, we're not the only galaxy. So if there's 100 billion stars that are known in our galaxy, how many galaxies are there? Well, no one really knows for sure. The scientists say that through the Hubble Space Telescope that they, were, they found one of those constellations. You know, when you look at night, you see all those cool pictures in the sky with the stars. They honed in on one constellation, and they found 5,500 galaxies in that one constellation. So the scientists, who at this point I think are making educated guesses, they speculate that there is 10 trillion galaxies in the universe. 10 trillion galaxies. Our galaxy has 100 billion stars, and we're one of perhaps 10 trillion galaxies floating around in outer space. Now, multiply those together. I can't even do that, but you can wrestle on that tonight while you're laying down to go to bed. And God spoke them all into existence. Go back to verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. But there's more that God made than just what we can see in that. There's also things that God made that we can't see yet including heaven itself. Now, the heavens here is specifically talking about the universe, but we also know from Scripture God made a place called heaven where His presence is most fully known, where the souls of believers who have died are already in His presence, where angels and beings are around His throne singing His praise. And we get a little glimpse of this in the next phrase of verse 6 of Psalm 33 here. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, all those hundreds of billions times 10 trillion stars and galaxies and all that. And notice this, and by the breath of His mouth all there host. Now, some people translate this all their starry host, and they, and they apply this word host to stars. I don't think that's what this means here. I think there's something very different in view here, because if you look at the Hebrew word here that gets translated their host, it's literally the Hebrew word for army. How's that for a weird sounding verse here? By the breath of his mouth, he created all their 
army. Now, what in the world is this talking about? It's talking about what we might call the angelic army of God. Now, that may sound strange, but follow with me here. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. I want you to see that up on the screen. If you go into Nehemiah's writings, this is a, a praise to the Lord. It's dealing with creation. And notice this. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host. Here's that word host army again. The earth and all that is on it. The seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And notice this. And the host, the army of heaven, worships you. What's described here is the host, the army, worshiping. Yes, creation points us to God's praise, but the creation can't actively, consciously, willingly turn and bow down to God and worship God in the way that the host of heaven is being described here. What you have here is a picture of God creating not just the millions and millions and billions of stars. You have a picture here of God also making heaven and God putting his angels, these spiritual beings, in there to worship him. The New Testament makes this truth clear as well. I'll just say Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him, that's Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth. And notice this, visible and invisible. So what we're told is not only did God make all the visible stuff we can see, all the stars in the sky and the planets and the moons and the water and the trees and all the stuff we can see, God made things that you and I in this earthly life cannot see with our human eyes. And he explains what the invisible are. He says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now that sounds really weird to us today, but you've got to realize the culture that Paul was writing to here in Colossians. He was speaking to the Jewish people, and in the Jewish culture, they described angels in terms of armies. They described angels in terms of political terms. So when you see phrases in scripture like thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities, that was the Jewish way of speaking up angels. So what he's saying here is God made things you can see and God made things you cannot see as well, including these angelic beings who worship him around his throne. So back to verse 6 here of Psalm 33. What did God make? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. That means God made the universe, the stars, the galaxy, the planets, the moon, and the earth that we're standing on today. The next phrase of verse 6, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host, he made the unseen world of heaven and angels and spiritual beings that do his work and that worship him as well. So the psalmist starts with pointing us to what God made there. But notice that he turns our mind back to the things we can see on earth. Go to verse 7 now. He, God, gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Now, what is he talking about here? He's taking us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. I want you to see that up on the screen. In Genesis chapter 1, in the creation account, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Now, think of the parallel of what we just saw. If you're still looking at Psalm 33, he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap into one place. And then you go back to Genesis 1, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And then verse number 10 of Genesis 1. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together, he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. So now we're being told that God just did not just make the stuff we see out there, he made the very water on this earth here. But the psalmist takes us even deeper than the water we can see here. Look back in verse 7 here. He says he puts the deeps into storehouses. Now what is he talking about here? Because did you know, again, science's best guess here, there's 5 million cubic miles of water under the crust of the earth. So not just the water you see in the oceans and the rivers and lakes, they speculate there's at least 5 million cubic miles of water in the deeps under the crust of the earth. Some scientists now speculate there's more than that, and they think if you could get 400 miles down under the surface of the earth, which we cannot, you'll find even more water than that. God put waters that we can't even see in the deeps 
of the earth. This is what is referred to in the time of Noah and the great flood. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. You'll see the exact same terminology. In the 600th year of Noah's life, remember this is history we're talking about. This actually happened in human history. In the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. And one of the parts that caused the flood as God was orchestrating this was he opened up the fountains of the deep, these millions and millions of cubic miles of water under the surface of the earth. So what the psalmist is doing for us in verse 7, he's reminding us that the waters you can see in the lakes and the streams and the oceans, the waters you can't see, but you look up and see that blue sky today that's caused by all the water droplets of the sky, yeah, God made those. And the water that's below the surface of the earth, and maybe even more, 400 miles down, yeah, God made all of that as well. So what is the psalmist doing here? Notice something here. He's using extremes of location to show us that God made everything in between as well. He's saying, go out, look up at the sky. There's more stars than you can even count. God made all of that in the vastness of it. He's saying, now look down. The water on the ground, the water in the streams, and yeah, there's water way below your feet, below this campus right now. Yeah, God made that, and everything in between those waters of the deep and the furthest heights of the heaven, God made all of it. He's using extremes of location to make sure we see that everything was made by God. Now, that's exactly what you see in the Genesis account. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was the light. You go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, and God said, there would be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let us separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. You go down to verse 9 of Genesis 1. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. You go down to, to verse 11. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. You go down then to verse number 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so, you go to verse 20, and God said, The waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. You go down to verse 24, and God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and then it comes to verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's exactly what Genesis 1 is painting for us, that God made everything from the light we can see to the stars and the moon, to the trees, to the animals, to the whales in the ocean, to the little tiniest fish in the sea. God made it all. Amen. So what did God create? God created all things. Amen. So there's our first two questions. Our third question in the morning then is, how did God do it? If God created all things, question three, how did he create it? And that's what we just saw in Genesis chapter 1 over and over again. You see in that very first phrase there, then God, what did he do? What's the next word? Then God, What? What did he do? He just said, God spoke and things came into being. Go back to Psalm number 33 here and look at verse 9. For God did what? What's the next word? He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Friends, this is so important to realize for us because when we've talked before about the attributes of God, one attribute of God is that he is independent. That means that God needs nothing. He needs nothing to be God, and he needs nothing to do whatever he wants to do. If God needed existing material to create, if he needed atoms and a cosmic soup already be there to create, then he would cease to be God because he would be needy. He'd be dependent on something else. And the scripture tells us over and over that God is independent, that God needs absolutely nothing. So how did God create it? Well, let's go back and look. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. He saw this over and over. And God, what's the next word? 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I'm not going to read you all those Genesis verses again. I just read you, but you can go back through all I just read. And time to time, God said, and it happened. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. Over and over and over, it tells us that. And so Psalm 33, verse 9, summarizes for us. He spoke, and it came to be. Friends, this truth is so important. The New Testament repeats it as well. This is an amazing verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. In Hebrews eleven three, notice what the author of Hebrews, who we do not know who it was, look at what he said. He said, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And don't miss the truth of this. He says, what you see was not made from anything pre-existing. God spoke it out of nothing. The, sometimes you'll hear this phrase taught. It's called the doctrine of ex nihilo. Ex nihilo is a Latin phrase that means out of nothing. That throughout church history, what the church has constantly affirmed is that God created the world by speaking out of nothing. God didn't have to gather materials together to do it. God just spoke and things came into being. One author I read this week said it so well, I love this. He said, God did not take two pre-existing hydrogen atoms and one pre-existing oxygen atom and fuse them together to make water. Rather, he created hydrogen, he created oxygen, and he created water all at the same time. Divine creation was out of nothing. And friends, God is powerful enough to do that with his words. If you think back to the Gospel of John or any of the Gospels, when we study the Gospels, and you think of the power of the Word of God, when you see Christ as he's walking with what he could do with his words. There's so many places we go, but we see Matthew chapter 8, verse 6, just a glimpse of the power of the Word of God. Here you have a Roman soldier who has a servant in his house who is dying, and this Roman soldier goes to Jesus and asks him to heal his servant. This is where we pick up in Matthew 8. He says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Now, verse 7. And he said, to, and this is Jesus speaking, Jesus said to this Roman centurion, I will come and heal him. Now, verse 8, notice the faith of this Roman centurion. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, jump ahead to verse 13. And what happens here in Matthew 8, 13, I think we have that out there for you. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you believe. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus didn't even have to walk over there to touch the, the person who was sick. He spoke, and from a distance, the sound of his voice healed the person in the next city over there. All throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus speaking, sick people being healed at his voice, dead people being raised, storms being calmed, sins being forgiven, demons fleeing, at the sound of the voice of Christ, the second person of the Godhead. He speaks, things happen. Why should we be surprised that he speaks in 100 billion plus stars times 10 trillion all appear at one time? When God speaks, God can do whatever he wants to do. Nothing is too hard for him. So who created? Why did he, what did he create? How did he do it? So far we've seen God created all things by his powerful word. At least our fourth question for the morning. What do we learn about what he made? What do we learn about what he made? Let's go back to Genesis 1 to find the answer of this. And you know this if you've studied Genesis before. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 and God saw everything that he had made, those, those, those 10 trillion galaxies times 100 billion stars, the waters of the deeps, the waters in the sky, the waters on the earth, the plants, the animals, everything in between mankind. He saw all this massive creation that he had just done in six days, and behold, it was very what? It was very good, and there was evening, there was morning on the sixth day. Now, we see this all the time, God's creation is good, God's creation is good. What does that mean? What does it mean that God's creation is good? Now, I've been pondering that one this week, and this has made my brain hurt a little bit, because my whole life I've been taught and I've read that God's creation is good, but what do we mean by that? My mind just started to think on this. Well, it's good in, in, in really three ways. Number one, it's good to God. It's good to God. 
And by that, it's kind of good to God in two ways. Number one, it pleases him. Why did God make it this way? He liked it. Why did God put in our galaxy 100 billion stars and then make 10 trillion other galaxies out there? Because he smiles when he looks at it. It brings pleasure to him. God did it because it pleases him. We saw this last week, but Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. I love in Revelation, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will. If you remember last week, we said that word will can also be translated pleasure. For your pleasure, by your will, they existed and they were created. So it was good to God. It pleased him. But second of all, it was good to God because it accomplished his purpose. Remember, creation is not accidental. God has a plan and a purpose in what he made, and so it pleases God. It's good to God because it accomplishes his purpose. He designed creation to show off his character, his nature, his glory. It did that and still continues to do that. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's people all over the world. Why? Because God has shown it to them. Well, they may not have a Bible, but how do know there's a God? Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. How? Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. That God has taken his created world and so painted it, so designed it with those 10 billion, 100 billion stars times 10 trillion galaxies with the waters below and the waters above. He's done this to constantly showing off his character, his nature, his glory to a watching world. So how is creation good? It was, number one, it was good to God because it pleased him and because it accomplished his purpose. But number two, how is it good? It's good for us. It's good for us people made in the image of God. Friends, it's good for us physically. God designed this world to be exactly what we need. If you haven't ever had your mind hurt on this, this is something else to ponder while you're laying down tonight to go to bed. That if our earth was just several miles closer to the sun or several miles further away, we wouldn't have the right climate zone for life. If our tilt of the earth was different, it wouldn't sustain life. God's created just where it was for the right temperature and the right seasons. He's given us the right air composition, the right water. He's made it to where we breathe out carbon dioxide and trees absorb it and give back oxygen that we breathe in and give out carbon dioxide that they need in back and forth and back and forth. God's made this perfectly symbiotic world to where everything we need is provided for and everything that animals and plants need is provided for. Because God created this by design to provide for his people to sustain the life made in his image. And his image is so good because it provides for us physically. But friends, it's good for us because it also provides for us spiritually. It points us back to him. As CJ read at the beginning of the service, Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. I love this. In Psalm 19, 1, it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Friends, creation is good it's good for God because it pleases him. It, he gives him delight. It accomplishes a purpose. It's good for us because it provides for us physically and it provides for us spiritually by points back to God. But one more way it's good. Number three, when God made it, it was perfect. And when God made it, there was not one single flaw, not one thing broken anywhere in all of creation. Now that immediately raises the question, what went wrong? Because obviously it's very broken now. And we're going to explore a lot more of that in future weeks as we keep working through the New City Catechism. But in one word, what went wrong is sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it points us to the fact that when sin came, brokenness came. This verse is so sobering to why we had the world is like it. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Before Adam fell, friends, there was no death, there was no destruction, there was no brokenness anywhere in the world. Did you know that before Adam fell, no tiger ever killed a sheep? No mosquito ever bit a person, and that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? No jellyfish ever stung a little fish in the ocean. No snake bit a person. No person ever killed a snake. Like there was, before the fall, there was no death. There was no brokenness. There was no animosity in any way. Everything was perfect. But when sin came into the world through Adam, death came and destruction came and brokenness 
came. Even though the world is still broken today by sin, it still accomplishes his purpose. It still pleases him. It still reveals him. It still provides for us. Even in his broken state, it still points us to him in his broken state. We'll explore more of this later in our study of the Catechism. But the day is coming when the perfect world that got broken will be made perfect again. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21 gives us a beautiful glimpse of this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 20, I want you to see this here. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. And hope, now verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. So notice the hope here. The creation, there's a hope that will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So friends, the day is coming when the heavens and the earth are restored and renewed and restored to that place of perfection. So why is God's creation good? Because it was good to God, it is good for us, and it was made perfect and will one day be restored to perfection. So what do we learn about all that God created? God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. At least our very last question for the morning. How should we respond to this truth? How should we respond to this truth? I hope you're seeing as we're working through these, the study of being rooted how immensely practical our theology is. Unfortunately, in the American church, often we treat theology like something that's for the seminaries and for the scholars and something that's boring or philosophical. Friends, what we believe shapes what we do every day. What we understand about the nature of God is going to impact our daily life. And I hope you see it in all things, including the doctrine of creation here. So how should we respond to this truth? I want to give you three ways I believe we should respond to this truth that God created all things and it was very good. Number one, we respond with belief. We start here, we respond with belief. We live in a world that wants us to think that there is no God and that God didn't make the world and everything we have is just some type of cosmic accident. That's not the testimony of Scripture. We respond with belief. Look at verse 8 back in Psalm 33. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Now you see fear used different ways in Scripture. Here the word fear literally means terror. Let all the earth be in terror of the Lord. One translation renders it, Let all the earth tremble before the Lord. Friends, as you're talking about the doctrine of creation here, this is so important to realize how dangerous it is to reject God's revelation. God has told us who he is. He's told us how he made everything. And friends, we don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to believe. God has spoken, and he he calls us to believe in what he has said. So our response is to have faith, to believe that things happen the way God said they happen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, we looked at it a little while ago, but I'm going to say Hebrews 11, 3 again, because notice this first phrase, by faith. By trust, by belief, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. And in Hebrews 11, this beautiful text of what faith looks like, it tells us that the way we understand this to be true is we accept it in faith and belief and trust that God's revelation is true and that what God said is always true and right. So we respond to the doctrine of creation, number one, with belief, with trust that what God said happened is what actually happened. Number two, that we respond with worship. We respond with worship. Look at the next phrase of verse 8. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Friends, God's created order is designed to stir our hearts, to see his invisible attributes, and to worship him in response. In fact, remember this whole psalm is about is a call to worship God. When CJ preached it two years ago, this whole Psalm 33, and I encourage you to read this week, is a call to worship God. So go back to the first verse of Psalm 33. It starts off with, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. So this is a call to praise the Lord and praise the Lord together. And why? Well, because God created the whole world. We're to worship the one who is the creator over all things. So can I just give you a quick word of encouragement here? This is not a thus saith the Lord, but this is just me talking here on this one. Friends, if your heart feels cold to the Lord, and your heart feels dry to the things of the Lord, can, you turn, can I encourage you to turn off your cell phones? 
Turn off your TVs, turn off all the entertainment that distracts us from things, and get out in God's creation. God designed the mountains and the streams and the lakes and the ocean, all these things to show us how big and how vast he is. And we so often ignore this grace gift that's to stir our hearts to worship because we're sitting here going, and we're missing the wonder of the world that God has given to us. If we need our hearts stirred to see the greatness of God and his beauty and his glory, go hike a mountain at Chiha. Go out to one of the parks. Go out on a hike. Go to the beach and just look at the ocean. Go get in an airplane and go fly over something. Look at how, how small the, we are compared to the vastness of God's world. Do something to focus on God's world, and it'll turn your heart to worship, I believe. So how do we respond to these truths? Number one, we believe it. Number two, we worship. Number three, though, we respond with stewardship of the world, with stewardship of the world. Friends, if you think about when God created the world, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. He didn't say, go use it all however you want to and go terrorize and have fun. He gave them a mission in the world. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And we need a whole sermon for this, and that'll be for another day. But the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to notice this, to work it and to keep it. God put him there to tend it, to take care of it, to nurture it, and to sustain what God had put in there. We use the word stewardship to describe it. A a steward is a person who is entrusted with something that belongs to another. A steward does not own something. They're taking care of it for another person. And so stewardship is caring for something that belongs to another, but that has been entrusted to our care. So here's the really easy question for the morning, okay? You ready? Who made everything? Okay. Who put us on this earth to care for it? So we have a stewardship. We have a mission that God has given to all of his people by putting us on earth to care for the earth that he has given to us. We are to steward it well, and we are to care for it well. And again, that's a whole sermon for a whole other day, but we as believers need to be conscious of and think about. So let's bring all that together. What else did God create? God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. Therefore, friends, Let's believe the clear revelation of God on how the world came into being. Let's take time to enjoy his creation because it's there for our enjoyment and to point us to him. Let's worship him in response to his greatness that we see in this world. And let's seek to be good stewards of the world that he has put us in. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so thankful to see your power and your greatness. Father, my mind hurts to think about that the sound of your voice in an instantaneous moment You can make our galaxy with 100 billion stars. You can make 10 trillion galaxies just by saying, let it be, and it happens. Our minds cannot begin to comprehend that power, cannot comprehend that wisdom, even your creativity in doing all that. As we think about the waters 400 miles below the earth, as we think about the creation that you have and these fish that glow at the bottom of thermal vents, as we think about the, the beauty of the moons and we think about moons around other planets that are filled with hydrocarbon lakes and all these crazy things that our minds can't even begin to get around, Lord. I pray that we would see these things and realize how infinitely strong and powerful and wise and creative and good you are. And Lord, I pray that you would help us not miss the wonder of your creative world. And we desire to be a people who seek hard after you, who study your word and pray and have an intimate relationship with you. But Lord, we want to be a people who enjoy your world as well for the reasons you've given it to us and for the purposes you've given it to us. So Lord, I pray this week for myself and for these precious brothers and sisters. Lord, you would turn our hearts to see your glory and your greatness and your power in new ways this week. You captivate us, Lord, with the wonder of who you are. And whether it's the reminder of the stars we see one night out back or the mountain streams we walk alongside or the sound of waves crashing at the beach or whatever it is that you're going to use this week to remind us of your creative hand, I pray that you would let us see the beauty of your creation this week. And that, God, we'd respond with simple belief, saying, Lord, we know you spoke this into being. And we'd respond with worship 
wanting to praise you because you're worthy of all praise. And Lord, we would respond with a sense of, of joyful duty to help take care of the world that you have put us in. So Lord, we ask that you would do this in our hearts, Lord, for your glory and for our joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing about the created world God has made.
Before I pray for us, I want us to do what we do each week. I want us to put the answer to our question back up on the screen, and let's say it together. First of all, what else did God create now? Let's see the answer. Let's say it together, friends. God created all things by His powerful Word, and all His creation was very good. Let me pray for us. Father, we do proclaim that you are the creator of all things. You did so with the power of your Word, and everything you made was good. Lord, would you give us much grace to believe that this week and to let that belief transform our lives in all ways, that we'd be a people who worship you because you are so holy and powerful and righteous and good. And Lord, we thank you for this all and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, parents. Pick up your kids in the blue hall in the gym and have a great Sunday afternoon.